You're listening to Death of the Reader. Irene Diakonastasis is back with another interview, this time with Karen Mayne talking Lenny Marks gets away with murder. I will let Irene get into the swing of things very shortly, but if you aren't familiar with Irene's work, you can find more of her incredible book interviews up on the 2SER website, 2SER.com, but I'll be trying to keep drip-feeding you the crime fiction ones here on Death of the Reader. Irene, take it away. Today I'm joined by the lovely Karen Maine, who is here to talk about her debut novel, Lenny Marks Gets Away With Murder, released on February 21st. Karen, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm wrapped to be here. So for listeners looking for their next crime fiction read, how would you describe Lenny Marks Gets Away With Murder? Lenny Marks is a school teacher who has gotten on with life the best way she can. When she receives a letter from the parole board, life starts to unravel as she starts to remember what really might have gone on uh, when she was younger. Yeah, so it's more of a domestic suspense, I'd say, than your um, detective procedural. Very interesting. And as we know, this is your debut novel. So what was was your motivation or inspiration to write this particular (laughs) story? Well, writing for me is quite cathartic, so it's a bit of an escape. It's something that I have done for a little while now, but lockdown was when um, pretty much this whole story was written, um, and Melbourne obviously had a lot of lockdown, so I had a lot of time to play with in that period. Um, I had previously written stories that were more um, police detective focused um, because of my background as a police officer, um, but I didn't find them to be quite as much fun um, so it was kind of more, I had. I was sort of a bit bogged down in reality, I guess. So writing this book, Lenny Marks came to me almost as a fully formed character. She picked up a few little bits and pieces along the way, some of her quirks and some of her um, the strange things she does, um, which are normal to her, of course. Um, and writing it just flowed. Like, I just loved it. I love this character. My five-year-old daughter thinks she is a member of our family. She talks about <laughs> Lenny Marks all the time. Um, but yeah, it was just a story that I wanted to tell. It was less about the crime and it does, um, obviously given the title, it does have a crime that features, but, um, it was less about the crime and more about the people in its orbit. So how they get on living and, um, not even necessarily the victims and the survivors, but just how you get on living after terrible things happen in your life. Leading on from what you said that Lenny came to you as a sort of fully formed character. Yep. What was the process of writing? her character development then yeah so um and obviously the more drafts you do the less you remember about how they started so by the time you get to the end and you've read it so many times you just think you've made this amazing character right from the start (laughs) um but she definitely there's definitely a big character arc with Lenny as I definitely wanted there to be she's um very insular very socially isolated um by choice or at least she thinks that that's the way she wants to live her life um, and then as the story goes on, um, life changes for her and it's sort of um, the the cast of supporting characters in it probably are the biggest, um, oh, she goes on her own journey, but the biggest sort of, I guess, additions to her and the changes to her life are the people that come into her space as the story goes on. And I certainly didn't want it to be a... Um, you know, Prince Charming swoops in to save the day. I hope that's not a spoiler, but it's not It's not a romance. Um, I really wanted Lenny to save herself. And as I wrote on, the more and more I wrote, um, and especially I've got three daughters now, I really wanted it to be strong female characters. And um, I, I just really wanted Lenny to 
um, well, it's uplift fiction, they call it. So I really wanted Lenny to have a bit of a triumphant feel by the end. The novel itself is very character-driven, and aside from Lenny, you have this strong supporting cast. So as the story delves into a range of her old and new relationships, would you say that Lenny goes on somewhat of a quest to find this sense of belonging for herself through developing maybe new relationships with others or reconciling her past ones? Oh, I like everything that you've just said then. I love the word quest. You've summed that up really nicely, <laughs> I think. But yeah, I would definitely say um, that's where it takes um, her and where the readers should go. As every book, I guess, you want a, you want a good quest, whether it's just a um, you know character development or a bit of a um, story as well. But yeah, she definitely has to um, or comes to a lot of realisations about what is, I guess, true friendship and what friendship looks like. So she's got an idea in her head as opposed to what the reality of it all is. Um, and I think, so I'm a couple of years older than what I set Lenny um, to be. So she's 37 in the book. Um, but I think as you get into your 30s and especially your late 30s, you really do start to um, get a better grasp on um, what's important, um, what friendships look like uh, that sometimes they go by the wayside for various reasons or you just adjust what you what your expectations are and not dropping them but just sort of Lenny's got this real being her bonnet about you know being friends with the cool girls or the girls she interprets as cool um, and I, I guess there's a bit of realisation in it as well that that outward facing you know uh, the, their facades aren't exactly what what they seem much like her um, so strength of character isn't purely based on, you know, the confidence that people portray themselves. So, yeah, I think there's a big self-aware journey, but there's also the the plot journey as well where, yeah, she certainly dives into what's happened in the past um, and she's felt abandoned for a very long time by her family um, and she starts to reconcile how things actually happened as opposed to how she's remembered them for the last 20 years. Obviously, the story, I don't want to spoil too much, but there's a letter that kind of sparks this catalyst for Lenny in terms of remembering or acknowledging events of her past. Now, would you say these trauma-repressed memories also resurface because Lenny is in a safer and more stable environment to heal it? Oh, that's a very interesting um, way of looking at it. I haven't really thought of it like that, but I think she definitely does feel um, that sense of safety in where she is and that she's also... um, I guess got to the point where not only is she not completely ignoring things anymore, and that might be because of that safe environment, but she's also put in that position by her um, gorgeous foster mum, Faye, who um, sort of forces her into, well, we sort of termed it as getting a life, but it's a little bit more in-depth than that. So I think probably, yeah, you're right, there is a, there's a sense of safety to where she is at this point in her life. Um, and then also she's kind of forced to because this, um, letter brings up a whole lot of stuff, but it's also um, there's a there's an actual something happening, and it's very hard to explain without giving away yeah. <laughs> um, spoilers. But yeah, there's an actual something happening. This letter actually is leading into um, you know a change in you know life as she as she knows it, and it's about to come hurtling at her. So she can't actually stick her head in the sand anymore. And and there's people that she um, realises she cares a great deal about in her life that she now needs to step up and um, she can't just, yeah, stay inside her cosy little house in Belgrave anymore and um, pretend the world's, you know, just passing her by. Were there any particular supporting characters 
and their relationship to Lenny that you really loved to see developed or write about? Well, there's a couple. Like Ned in it is just glorious. Like I think he's just such an affable chap that I think if any of my friends had Ned as their partner or boyfriend, I'd be so wrapped for them. <laughs> um, and Faye, I just loved Faye. So her foster mum who didn't start out as quite so big a part and then she's really turned into somebody that's really important. Um, and so much, in fact, and I like to using that name so much that that's now one of my daughter's middle names. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I had twins six months ago, so I had a lot of names to play around with. And, and so I threw Faye in there as a middle name because I just loved it so much. Um, and amazing. I also really, yeah, and, and her foster dad, Robert, who is a very tiny, tiny little part, but he has elements of my own dad and my own grandfather in, in him, the way he tinkers in his shed and that sort of thing. And so to me, Robert, although he plays a very small part, um, he's just like all the love for Robert. He's just such a kind, good man that um, she just fell into good hands with these people. That's amazing. And it's lovely to hear or to see how certain characters have been taken from pieces of your own life and brought into the book. I think that's very lovely. I think it's impossible to avoid. Um, and maybe there's writers that can do it. And I mean, this is my first book, so... Um, I might run out of people um, or people might start <laughs> to recognise themselves and I might start to lose a few friends. But um, I don't know that you can avoid it. Lenny herself has some of my own um, quirks. I'll say quirks because um, or eccentricity is in that um, and and not to the extent that Lenny has, but um, the, you know, happy with her space and play, you know, she plays her Scrabble solo, which is actually my grandmother. She used to sit in her house oh, and wow. play two two child decks of Scrabble all by herself, which I love. But um yeah, there's a there's a few things like with the anagrams Lenny likes to do in her head to calm herself down and um I love any sort of word play and words moving around like that. I find that very um I find that very soothing. Um so yeah, there's there's a little bit of many people in that book. I've even one of my good friends Amy, I used her name for one of the um prep teachers. And although she, the, the character is not based on her because it's a little bit of a probably not one of the nicer characters, yeah. um, I, did, I do like to draw in, you know, the familiar names and the familiar um, character traits and stuff. It just sort of makes it fun to write and a bit more relatable, I guess. Are there any characters beyond Lenny that you would resonate with in terms of maybe certain things you do or just your behaviour? Oh, I haven't really thought about that. There's probably a little bit of me about Kira in that um, she is such a good – I make myself sound really nice and wonderful now. She's such a good-hearted person, um, but she sort of is keen to be friends with Lenny because she recognises she's a good sort and just waffles on and has a tendency just to, you know, blather away in such a good-hearted way. That's 100% me. I think I'm doing it right now. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's also a lot of people, I guess. So Kira could be yeah, very many people, but just sort of – you know, the kindnesses and the little things that people do along the way. And I think um, I probably don't do enough of them and not sort of your random acts of kindness where people are giving people in shopping centres flowers, un, you know, unbidden because I find that a little bit creepy. But, you know, just the nice things you can do or say to people as a sort of an everyday thing that's not because it's a birthday and not because it's Valentine's Day, but, you know, just to do something nice for people. And I think that's a bit of... That's a bit of a cure. Um, and I must say also, as a bit of a shout-out to my husband, Ned's memorabilia collecting, 
that's my husband. That is. Oh, really? Um, so it's quite my, accurate. It's quite accurate. Um, he hasn't spent a ridiculous amount of money on any Buffy the Vampire Slayer memorabilia, but I wouldn't put it past him. <laughs> but I'm looking right now at a cabinet in our lounge room of um, some very violent statues. And I, I can never remember whether it's the Marvel or DC Universe he loves, and I'll be never forgiven for not knowing. But, yeah, he's a um, he's a big fan of the memorabilia, as is Ned. So there's some endearing traits there that I just had to throw in. What was his reaction to seeing the memorabilia in the novel? I don't think he really resonates that it's him. Like, I think he got it. <laughs> but I think it, in my husband's mind, everybody does it. It's quite normal. <laughs> oh, I love that. I love that. Yeah. Now, still on the topic of Lenny, I think she's in a really interesting position of her life because even though she's dealing with all these very heavy traumatic things in terms of healing her past traumas, she still has a very demanding career in terms of she works full time, she has to go to primary school, and this side venture of finding friends or socialising more than what she would prefer. How did you prioritise what was important for Lenny in terms of her storyline? Yeah, so I guess it's like anything. If you look at it overall, it seems like a lot, but when you just Picking along in life, it's um, you know it's just every day, little little something every day. I don't think um, her everyday life with the teaching um, gave her the perfect. Well, she loved the routine as well. She would never mm-hmm. not do it, but it gave her the perfect opportunity to meet some people. And I think that a lot of people have been in the position if you're meeting people, especially in your thirties when you're not going out all the time. Maybe people go out all the time. I don't know, but not me. <laughs> Um, when you're not going out all the time, um, and especially where she lives, it's a little bit isolated there. It's like, a, you know, it's, it's, there's certainly houses and stuff around. It's not a remote town, but, you know, there's not a great big nightlife or a not great big, um, you know, all these things happening. So meeting people is hard when you get older. Um, so more than anything, just to have her in that school setting worked perfectly because she had the opportunity to, um, explore more of the people that were already in her um, orbit that she'd chosen never to take any notice of before um, or that she thinks, you know, have never noticed her and that she's refused to let them in. So um, I think for her, more than anything, taking that route of tackling getting friends and, you know, trying to do something more social was as an attempt to ignore the other side of things, which was this letter from the parole board and all these memories of her stepfather and her mum coming back. So um, there was certainly an element of, um, I guess this is coming at me, so what can I do to distract myself? Um, And so she's forged on with the one thing that she can also go back to her foster mum and tell her, even if she puts a little bit of mayo on it, that there's some progress. Now, we've touched on this a a bit earlier, but your current career is a police officer, under my understanding. How does this perspective influence the character of Lenny and her development or just the writing of the novel in general? Um, I think, um, and that's an interesting one because I think it's as much about it's influenced the way I write a lot and also what I don't write. So um, my first, the first book I ever wrote um, is filed away in the depths of my computer and that's Mm. a police procedural and it was a, it was a detective story about a um, detective in the Melbourne suburbs, you know, doing, um, you know, you run in the mill sort of crimes that come into suburban police stations. Um, and 
and I wrote this book on it and I was quite happy with it and it's gone nowhere. It's sitting in my computer, but I look back on it and I think, oh, I actually wrote a story about myself because that's exactly what I was doing. And it wasn't the same sort of fun and the same journey and um, a bit of escapism. And I also bogged it down probably a little bit much in the reality of it, which is we do a lot of paperwork. Um, it's not 24-7 action. Um, you know, you don't slide into rooms, you know, with two guns drawn, you know, <laughs> yelling at people to get down. So it's influenced me a lot, but more in that um, when I dive into the crime stuff, I don't thankfully have to do quite as much research, um, but also um, I know what I don't want to write about and I don't want to bog it down in the realities. I prefer to let other crime writers write about that stuff because they can sensationalise it a little bit. I just can't get my head around if I know the process because I'm a bit rule-driven. I'm a bit like Lenny in that way. I like to follow an instruction. I like rules. Um, That once I know that something works a certain way, I can't actually step away from that. So I can't really... Um, and maybe I will in the future. I shouldn't. I shouldn't cut off my um, future genres, but I don't find the joy in writing police procedurals as much as I have in writing this novel, which um, I'm going to say is a bit crime adjacent. I heard Holly Throsby describe her book Clark as crime adjacent, and I loved that. Um, I loved that term for it. So a bit crime adjacent because something's happening. There is a crime, but ultimately it's a story about a person, and I'm so intrigued about you know, people and other people's lives. So it, it influenced the way I wrote, but more than anything, it influenced what I didn't write about. Would you ever venture into novels that don't centre or flow around a crime? Or do you want to maybe branch out to other genres? I don't know. I think I'd write just about anything. I love writing so much, but I do um, inevitably somehow my ideas come back to either killing somebody or something awful happening. So maybe it's <laughs> just... I don't know if that's good or bad. Um, it's also the books I like to write are really, I guess, plot-driven. So I guess when I think about what to centre something around and you can make all these gorgeous characters and there's a real pressure on them too because there is something really emotional or, you know, this big impact in their life. But um, I guess I just when I think, I think of things centred around a crime. So um, I'm always, always when I read books, because I'll read in any genre, when I read things that aren't centred around, you know, like a big crime event or some, you know, we're not leading to a who done it or a why done it or anything like that, um, I think, oh, good on you. Like, a nice way of thinking about, you know, something that's a story that doesn't involve crime. Um, I just don't think my mind thinks that way. I think I've, I think that's just where I go. So probably not, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever say no. Still talking about your career as a police officer, you have a different insight into understanding criminal behaviour or natures of crime. And would you say that makes your novel more authentic? Yeah, um, I don't want to oversell my um, knowledge by any means. I'm certainly no expert in anything psychological about why people do things they do, but I'm very intrigued by it. I do love to know why people think the way they think, do the things they do. Um, I am so interested in talking to people of all different walks of life. So I guess in that way, I'm maybe as a writer as well, just a bit of an observer of human behaviour and that's really influenced things. But certainly when it comes to, I guess, the scope of crimes and the things that people can do, I know, I guess, maybe more than some people about... um, there's sort of no limits on 
some of those things or I do know the limits of, um, you know, where people's mind goes. Yeah, I, I think that probably doesn't explain it all that well, but I, yeah, certainly not claiming to be an expert on it, but I guess, um, and having spoken to a couple of authors who I've then gone on to read their manuscripts, which is so nice just to see, if, oh, is this how it would happen in, you know, police world, which has been super fun because um, I love reading an un- unpublished manuscript. Um, <laughs> and I guess that's when I realised that the information I do have, just the everyday, you know, oh, well, who would knock on your door in this circumstance? And, oh, what happens if this happens? And then you ring triple O. What's the next stages? I mean, you know, I guess in my head that's every day. So I didn't realise that was an actual set of, you know, that was an actual knowledge that I had that not everybody had. So it has helped me a lot. It's saved me a bit of research. Um, having said that, um, <laughs> where I worked, I don't, you know, I didn't do murders, for instance. So um, I still did a lot of Googling. So my Google history is still, still quite fun. Now, I, you just mentioned a little bit about it before, but your friendship with other crime writers, how has mm-hmm. that benefited you in writing this novel and your writing in general? have a lot of author friends. I'm still fairly new to the world of writing. I do like to attach myself to people as quickly as they'll let me though, because I'm a bit of a fangirl when it comes to authors and I do love a book event. Um, I'm home a lot because I've got four young children. My four kids are under five. Wow. So, yeah. <laughs> so I don't get to get out there um, all that much and I don't have a writing group because when I have written, I just kind of want to focus on writing um, and not bother about anything else, which is really um, antisocial, but I think that's a big part of writing as well and how you get to the end of your book. But the couple of writers I have, um, so Sally Hepworth, who um, did a lovely blurb on this book for me, as well as Lisa Ireland, um, have been wonderful authors and instrumental in me getting this book published and just having the confidence to go ahead and forge on and, and get it done. Um, and I think, any, you know, then that's made me realise that any connection within the writing community, whether it's crime writers or not, is so important and so um, beneficial because I just think nobody, it's probably a bit of a generalisation, but, you know, writers sort of, um, it's a very kind community, the book community, but also... That's great to hear. Yeah, but, yeah, it is. Everybody's been so lovely. I'm sure there's people that are not lovely um, or not lovely to my face. I don't know. But um, they, they certainly seem lovely and it has made me realise how beneficial it is to have yeah, writers, even if they're not in the same genre. To conclude this great interview, are there any new books listeners should expect to hear from you in the near future? Look, I would love to say book two is coming out, you know, you know, early next year. I would love that. Um, it's still a work in progress. As I mentioned, my four children under five um, sometimes demand food, um, entertainment, uh, bedtime routines. Mm. So I've been a little bit delayed. So um, when this book picked up, it got picked up by Penguin, which was the thrill of all thrills. I was pregnant with twins. Um, so I um, have been a little bit delayed because that was a bit of a bit of a um, rough pregnancy. I had all these great imaginings of being on maternity leave writing my draft. So there hopefully will be future books because I am so excited to keep on writing. But I don't have any such announcement at this point in time. So hopefully Lenny Marks will keep people going for a little while. I know you just said you don't have any announcements, but could we maybe see Lenny Marks in any future books or is the chapter closed for Lenny Marks? Oh, that's, that's a very good question. I have not considered a sequel with her because I feel like I 
I was really happy with how her story was told, but I would never say never. Um, and there might be more adventures that come to me involving Lenny, but at the moment, no, the story that I'm working on is an entirely different cast of characters. I do love, however, when an author does a bit of a crossover, like they'll throw a little minor character in. I think most a people of love a crossover. Yeah, I just think it's great. So who knows? Maybe Ned or Faye, or maybe Malcolm the dog will pop up. <laughs> or maybe Friends, the TV show, some of the. Oh, yeah. Maybe that can be my continuous theme. Like uh, a little Ross, Easter Ross egg in your favorite. novel. Yeah, friends every time. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. <laughs> well, Karen, thank you so much for the interview. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for your you. questions. It's it's my favourite topic, talking about Lenny. <laughs> yeah, she's a wonderful character, so I love talking about her thank with you. you as well. Irene Diakonastis is there talking with author Karen Main, debut author, in fact, of Lenny Marks Gets Away With Murder. Thank you to Penguin Australia for providing copies to 2SER for that interview. If you want to find more of Irene's work, it's available up at the 2SER website, and there are also links on the podcast to find more about Karen's work and Lenny Marks Gets Away With Murder. I'm out of here. Thanks to Irene for putting this together. This is your Murder Mystery World Tour here on 2SER 107.3.